Hey, everybody. Welcome to another in-studio and remote edition of Church is Now Online. We are. This is a monumental morning for us, a monumental episode, because we are. Uh, there are five of us on this call. There are five of us. We haven't had this ability. Eric Hufford just literally walked out of, he's our, our church's uh, director of all things technological, and he just hooked us all up. He just walked out of the room, and he left us alone. We've got Scott Irwin here. Yes. We've got Kristen Jacobson. Hey. And then on the board and on the camera, we got Christina Soderquist. Hey. And Daniel Asher. Hi. And the <laughs> two of, they're, they're, they're like so meek and mild back there, not wanting to be on camera. But we're so grateful for uh, all the work that they've done uh, to help us get this thing both online, on video, and audio. Whatever, however it is that you are taking in content today, uh, there, this is the team behind it. And so we're super grateful. And uh, we're excited for another episode. It's a new week, Scott. It is a new week. And we haven't been in this space, feels like, for months. But I think it was just like a week ago, right? It was like two weeks ago, actually. Because that's how right. long Kristen and I were cooped up in our house in like self-quarantine. Yes. And we got the good news that we're safe. We're, we might be the healthiest people <laughs> in all of Northwest Indiana right, right now, uh, which means I'm never leaving my house again. I'm doing this one episode, and I'm never going to leave the house. Uh, but it's been good, man. We've learned a lot about life over the past 14 days, and particularly how do we stay connected with other people that we know and we love and still have a social life while we're staying inside of our living room? And do you know what we came up with? What? Well, we didn't really come up with it, but we've been doing Yeah, we need to give props where props are due yes. here, yeah. I believe. Go ahead, Kristen. It give, was give the props. The one, the one, the only Laura Wasco yes. who yes. started this um, gaming, I don't know, what do we call it? It's like this a game night. fad game nights, yes, on Zoom. And so she put out on Facebook uh, two weeks ago for a trivia game night via zoom and she had a ton of people respond we jumped in on that group i know Irwin's. you guys were there friday night yeah, first time on friday can we get her one of those uh remember like the oh man those 1970s microphones that all the game show hosts would use like yes, the, the little like style. pencil one yes. Feet away from their face <laughs> yes it's like her zoom microphone is the podium that she's directing totally. us all from yeah, yeah. totally so it That's was great I'd have to say when our when we first got the invitation, I was like trivia. Okay, that'd be fun. Yeah, that's fine. And there was a lot of people that that joined us. What was there like maybe twenty five? I don't know. There's like there was uh, at least fifteen couples. There were like at least yeah, I would say at least fifteen couples on that first call too. And it seemed incredibly natural. Yeah. In fact, I I might have had more fun on Zoom <laughs> than I would have in the room with everybody. <laughs> Just it was kind of nice. It yeah. was like yeah. you, you didn't have to get ready. You didn't have to leave your house. You yeah. ended the call. You could go right to bed. Like it was it was kind of nice. That yeah. We... And then in the middle of playing the game, I mean, like you just muted your microphone and we could talk about everything. We could mm-hmm. argue about like the answers in, in like real time. And then we we didn't have to like whisper or hide or be like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> like we just could talk. And then we'd unmute it. and We'd say, hey, here's our answer. And, and um we lost. I'll say that. We lost. We but, got dominated. Um, what games were all right? It, w- it was just trivia. Just, just trivia. trivia. Yeah. Just Wide-ranging um, trivia from the Marlows, right? Yeah, the Marlows ran it. Uh, shout out to Kelly it. and Brevin. Yeah. Uh, they ran it uh, not too long ago. Uh, or uh, The Wascos ran it the first night. Yep. And so we got, we got beat badly. The Bells won that night. But what was interesting was 
the Wascos wiped the floor the second round. And I was thinking, what in the world? How did we how did we not win or how did the Bells win last time? And I thought, oh, the Wascos were the ones asking the questions. Yeah, but so I it wanna, was like a sleeper. I want to call yeah. foul on this because I think that what happened was Kelly and Brevin sourced all of their questions from the same website that Laura had tried the week before. <laughs> and so she knew all of the questions oh. out there. It was vague in the back of her mind because, you know. If Just you're looking up, if you're Googling like best Zoom trivia questions, <laughs> there's only like two websites doing it right now. Yeah. So I'm just saying, Laura, we're on to you. And we would like <laughs> to invite you onto the podcast in the future to uh, defend yourself. Defend yes. yourself. <laughs> Are you really that smart or uh, was this all a ploy? No, that was a ton of fun on Friday. And it was really cool because we, Bethany and I, met people. We have really never met before even Isn't that in, crazy? in church yes we were like who's that who's in that box who's in that box i don't know it was really it was really cool and it did feel supernatural yeah the question is going to be like next once we're all back in the same situation and yeah. back back to the same room are you going to feel comfortable walking up to them and being like hey it's great to see you today or are we going to recognize them not in sweatpants <laughs> yeah hey, you were you were the covidiots right yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right oh i remember you guys we like, should comment on some of the most clever trivia team oh, names yeah. i think well, because i thought the fraley's choice of the covidiots yes. was, was excellent it was very good um, Red Hot Trivia Pepper stands out to me just because it's it's uh, just a great trivia name. Ours, yeah. Kristen, I don't know if we want to out ourselves because this is like super uh, Christian subculture and you had to grow up in the church to get ours. But yeah. our first uh, trivia name was uh, Jeff Moore and the Social Distance, which is a play off of the... See, none name. of you, they're all... No, they're way too young. They're way too young. <laughs> Jeff Moore and the Distance was this like Christian band so back in like the early 90s. And there were... I don't know. This is going on, on the internet, so I'm going to temper my words. But they were interesting. <laughs> um, they were interesting. They were an interesting were group unique. of musicians. Yes. They had their moment in history. And let's just say that moment stopped in 1992. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah. No. What else was there? Um, I liked My Corona. My I Corona. That was a good one. Yep. Um, yep. That was the Krugs, I believe. Um, That's all I'm trying I to think of some other ones. They were, there were some good ones, though. Um, it was pretty fun. That's po that's like one of the most Us? intimidating parts about trivia to me is coming up with a clever name. name. Yeah. And us thinking about other people's names and not being able to pull it, that makes for a really good radio and TV. So yeah. uh, I think what I want to do is move on here for a moment. <laughs> it is the middle of social distancing. We just found out um, not too long ago that President Trump has uh, pushed the social distancing. Is it an order? I think that's what it is. It's a, it's a you know, government advisory. Really, like, everybody stay away from each other. We have, just to prove it, Scott and I are a... Don't touch it. Don't touch, touch it. Uh, this is a tape a measure. Inches. Just to, Microphone to microphone is exactly six feet here. So um, I'm grateful for that. Kristen's a little closer than we are, <laughs> but that's okay because she's virtual. But no, this is this thing's gonna happen through uh, April thirtieth is what yeah. we uh, what we just found out. So this is a new reality for us. This is not just like you know the blizzard is gonna come, dump the snow, and then the sun's gonna melt it all. This is like what we're calling winter, right? And we are in winter right now. This is a season more than a weekend, and um, it's changing. So we're we're talking about having you know Zoom calls and keeping up with your friends and having a social life, but it is really changing people's lives. Um, you know, the shelter in place that's going on here in Indiana, who knows what's going to happen with that. But people are staying home. And one of the things that we want to be aware of as pastors and ministry leaders and as a church 
is that we're keeping uh, tabs and helping people to think about their soul in the midst of yeah. social distancing. And um, so I uh, wrote an article that I posted uh, online. I think it's going to be put on the Bethel blog, which if you guys haven't read the Bethel blog yet, you should get on there. There's a bunch of great articles. Uh, you go to Bethelweb.org and uh, a bunch of our staff's writing for it. But um, my article, this, the essence of it was, uh, this is my title. Tell me what you think about my title. This is a terrible way to have an interview, but like, hey, tell me what you think about <laughs> me. But I'll tell my, you. Yeah, my, uh, my title was On Earth As It Is In Hell. I, you sent it to me last night, and it, it caught my eye. I was, I was like, eh, that's not right. Oh, Gosh, I right. wish I had oh, sound so effects so on this board back yeah, here. Yeah, Dan will be pushing the – Eric, Hufford, get back here. We need the board. The sound, sound effects. I want like uh, just like eight – hundred different sound effects yeah. <laughs> it's like from his days at the man cow show uh eric probably has like that oh, board yeah, yeah. somewhere um on earth as it is in hell so the idea being that uh you know the christian world christendom has always been a march towards on earth as it is in heaven mm. right the fact that we are christians living in whatever whatever situation we find ourselves in trying to bring more of um of heaven to earth and we do that through the spirit and through community but here we are scattering back to our homes in the midst of a pandemic, and it, it feels less like heaven mm. and more like hell. And I just think it's important for us to at least briefly talk about the, the phenomenon of social distancing and our souls and maybe some of the ways that we can combat the effects of, I mean, this is, this is in some sense a curse yeah. to us, um, how we can keep watch for our souls uh, in the midst of all this. Uh, yeah, I... I, I had read your article you sent it last night, and um, I loved the the phrasing throughout that God moves toward, that God is mm -hmm. always uh, a being. His purpose with us was always movement towards us. And even in, in rebellion throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, our uh, rebellion and movement away from God, even in the midst of that, God was moving towards us. So I loved that. Um, that phrasing yeah. and that biblical theology following that that withness that God pursues throughout yeah. this this social distancing time. Yeah, it was C.S. Lewis. The, the the nobody that's listening has heard the article. I don't think because I only posted on Twitter, which is a niche group <laughs> of people. Uh, and then um, I don't think it's gone live on the blog yet. But the 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 impetus behind it is C.S. Lewis in the Great Divorce. Which, if you got time on your hand, you should read that book. Oh, I'm reading that right now. Are you reading it right now? Yeah. Well, again, I try to I try to go through like his works a couple. Times every couple of years. Yeah. Where were you so. at trivia night for the pastors the other day? We Kristen literally oh. asked <laughs> the question of the pastors, which books would you read over and over again? Well, I'm not a pastor. Actually, well, <laughs> actually, Daniel and I were uh, working through our guest list that night. And he was reading the Great <laughs> Divorce. That is ironic. <laughs> yes. That is incredible. No, the irony just, is rich. That's just my like my go to sleep book. <laughs> my go to sleep book. Okay, so I think so it's like great divorce. I think it's like page eleven of the Great Divorce. Got it. It's really early on. He talks about hell being a place where, um, you know, people live in. It's a. It's it starts out as a city with a center of town, and then there's all you know. People are selfish. They're the king of their own domain. They mm -hmm. want to be in control of their own fate, and there's all these property rights disputes. Like you're too close to my boundaries, and all of a sudden, to solve the problem, people go to war with one another, and not instead of just fighting over it. It's this unlimited space, so mm. they just move away from each other, and all of a sudden you get like the city to the to to the to the, the the polar edges of society, and it becomes what he calls isolated ghettos, 
um, and, and the idea of hell is not a place of people coming together. That's actually heaven. It's a place where everything's in close proximity to each other. We're all in community. There's righteousness and there is no disputes in heaven. But in hell, people are so selfish and they're so such the God of their own domain. Mm. And they're so fearful of other people that they start wandering farther and farther away until they get so far away from people that nobody can impinge upon their own freedoms mm. or their own preferences or their own, their own rights. Yeah. And so... Um, for us to be in that situation, us being, you know, it, it feels really good even for us, to, us five to be in the same room right now because it's countering that social isolation. And there's a lot of people right now who are either elderly and live by themselves yeah. or um, are, are maybe singles who are terrified of what this could do to them. They have pre-existing conditions or something like that, and they're living in isolation. And for us, I think this might be the closest we ever get to hell you know, thank Jesus for that, is that we're in this moment of isolation. Can, can we talk maybe briefly about why, um, why in that metaphor, freedom is res- like the, the result or, or freedom in that is your own, um, your own isolation and your own desires, being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Why, why is that bad? Because I think a lot of society would look at that and say, no, that's what I want. That's like the apex. That's the goal. Yeah. But yeah. why is your own freedom to your own desires, why is that hell? Kristen, you want to pipe in? <laughs> I don't, I was actually thinking the same thing, Scott, just in how you were describing that, how like the American ideal is I am the king, I am the decider, I have autonomy and uh, rights to decide what I'm going to do with my life, when I'm going to do it. And that's something that we uphold as, yeah, the highest degree of freedom. And yet that's what he chooses to depict, depict hell. So I was actually wondering the same thing. And how do we, I mean, my initial reaction is that, as you said this in your article, Dan, but like God is a God of community. Mm-hmm. And so he, he desires that with us, he himself in the Trinity is eternally existing in community. Yeah. And so there is something innate within us spiritually that needs that. And I, when we think of American idealism, we're not thinking spiritually. No. Those, those yeah. sort of things have, have come up as a part of um, the Western world, even you could say, because even if you look at other cultures and in other regions, they appreciate community or value community to a greater extent than even we do. Right. Um, Right. I think one of the reasons that, that um, it feels like freedom to us, but it actually is enslavement is because we, we put ourselves and our own opinion at the center we are we are selfish. We are we are absolutely self-centered people, mm. and the um, the the Christian ethic is one that takes yourself and gives it away for the sake right. of someone else. Mm-hmm. Right? Christians never have the privilege of being self-centered people. We just we're, we're as followers of Jesus. We follow the one who gave Himself up yeah. for us, and then the call for us is then to give ourselves up for others. And what the Western world has in conflict with it, Western being you know Europe and and America. Um, what, what our Western idea ideas have is that I, I control what happens to me. Yeah. If I work hard enough, if I try hard enough, like I don't have to acknowledge the people that held the door open for me that I walked through. I get to just say, Hey, look what I've done. Um, because I'm the master of my own fate Mm -hmm. for us to be able to have our own way is 
the lie that we are sold. I don't think the American dream is a lie or even even wrong, but I think that idea that you can be a self-made person mm-hmm. and stay a self-made person, that's the lie. It's the reason why when, when Jeff Bezos became a billionaire or, or Bill Gates, people were like, hey, what are you going to do with all your wealth? Like, don't keep it, you jerk. Yeah. But but it's 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 uh it's lying on itself like that ideology lies on itself to say if yes. if we see self made people actually make it and then we should all be okay with that we should mm-hmm. be like good for you I'm gonna go make mine but our not our gut reaction is to say no 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 That's you need much. to do something uh yeah. philanthropic with all that right yeah. and what Jesus says to us is that your life is best lived when you give it away mm-hmm. when you care about others and so where I where I want to push us as a as a church and I think if I could speak to HP right now. We have a moment in our society where it is incredibly important that we measure our actions and give up some of our liberties for the sake of other people's lives. Mm. This is the tension that we're at in America right now is, you know, you have that 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 preamble uh, in pursuit of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Right now, we have a real conflict between pursuing life and pursuing liberty. And we have people in our society who are saying, like, the government can't tell me what to do. I'm not going to stay at home. Like, I got to work my job. Like, I need to go get out there. Like, don't, don't, you know. And they're putting other people at risk, and their lives are dependent upon it. And one of the questions that we have to ask as a church is, at what point does our Christian ethic allow us to live our lives as if no one can tell us what to do? Or how much do we need to be measuring our lives to say what's best for other people's is is the thing that I want to do because I want to be a good neighbor, mm. I want to be selfless, and I want to pursue life and not my own individual autonomy. Yeah, it's a real crossroads for us, and I think the more that we get to a place of self-sacrifice for the good of others, ironically, this might be the thing that makes our church look most like Jesus. Yeah, right. We might we might come out of this on the other side and go. Wow, I learned that there is joy in seeking the welfare of others. Mm. You know, there is joy in seeking the benefit of the city yeah. and, and asking the Lord to change us. So deep thoughts, deep thoughts to go from Zoom meetings to, you know, <laughs> on earth as it is in hell. Yeah. It's a it's quite the shift. But um I think there is these are really important things for us to consider because everything around us is spiritual. Right. Oh, everything that absolutely. we're every aspect of our life is is following Christ here. What are some ways then, if if it's true that hell is a place of isolation mm-hmm. and autonomy, so we got to ask the question, like, how do we then live in a way in the midst of this moment? Because Christ hasn't freed us from this moment. We're not like just, yeah. you know, exempt because we're Christians. What do we do? What are some ways that we can actually practice um, keeping our souls healthy and um, at the same time, uh, you know, seeking the, the, the betterment of other people by staying indoors yeah. and staying home. I think it's kind of interesting that the, the ways, um, like speaking, I guess, technologically, these devices that in so many ways have promoted individualism mm-hmm. are actually the devices that we have to rely on for community now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, like, you know, you, you see the kids walking around on their phone, the headphones on, and they're not paying attention to anybody. And now it's like, that's, they actually might only be paying attention to someone. <laughs> like, that's the only way that we can be face-to-face now. I just think that's really interesting. And it, it's, it's created a shift in my own thinking about how we view these devices and the way that we can use them better. Um, and just the reality that this is where we're at, is if we are going to connect, we are going to have to be technologically savvy Mm -hmm. and really 
go all in with um, learning to use these things and to be more adept at it. I know we talked about that the last time with how we need, we have a lot to learn from Gen Z. Um, but I think there, there's a lot of truth in that. Yes. Thank you, Gen Z. Yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. <laughs> We're grateful. No, we do. And I think that was yeah. a great point that Scott made last uh, episode. If you didn't hear that, you can always go back in the podcast feed. But uh, I, I think we do have a lot to pick up on on how to relate to each other yeah. and still preserve community. Right there, Dan, as you're talking about hell, talking about C.S. Lewis, there's another quote that I think maybe leads us to what we can do from the C.S. Lewis and the problem of pain talks about hell and says that uh, the doors of hell are locked from the inside, that ultimate rebellion of people, you know, you lock yourself in hell. And I th that's so interesting to where we are now because we are quarantined, we are social distancing, but I, we need to be hesitant of locking the door. Yeah. Like there's, there's a difference between social distancing and locking the door. Um, we can lock ourselves into our own personal hell um, but like Kristen says, like we really need to be considerate and thinking, who can I reach out to in this moment? And so uh, for, for myself, I actually had conversation with my neighbors uh, just two days ago. We were outside, and obviously we were like six feet apart. It's funny because you see everybody outside in the parks, and everybody is like six feet. You could, like, you could tell. <laughs> but it, it was an opportunity to talk, yeah. which everybody is, is dying for right, right now. now. Yeah. Yes, but um, we we need to be on the look like the lookout for that. So yeah. this might be the best time to connect with people in your neighborhood. Yeah, uh -huh. I think I, I think that's where the body of Christ is going to be like that alien existence in the world where everyone else right now is is sequestering and, and shutting down for us to be people who can appropriately with good measure. Yeah. Take the first step toward others. Mm -hmm. Is that not like God? Right. Is that not like God? The God that moves towards us yes. also wants us to be the people of God who move toward one another. Right. And we need to be able to do that safely. Um, but just because we're quarantined doesn't mean that stopped. Yeah. And so I think that's really the heart behind this podcast, right? Church is now online. Is a heart for us to say your soul matters. How you handle these couple of days, these couple of months, possibly these couple of years. Who really knows? And I hope that doesn't give people anxiety at home. But, but however we measure this next season of winter that we're in, your soul matters and we need to be staying connected and having conversations and looking after each other and laughing and having fun and playing, but also um, being there uh, for each other when things are tough and things are hard and yeah. when it's the, the dark night of the soul. And so I'm really grateful for all of you guys here to be uh, part of that process for our campus and just helping uh, reach out and keep our campus connected and in community. Uh, we've got a really exciting uh, guest that we're going to be bringing on the show here in just a moment. We're going to, we're going to, um, cut the studio and reset here, but we're going to be joining with uh, one of the directors of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, a uh, guy who's been around uh, Northwest Indiana for quite some time now. Uh, his name is Scott Stahl. He uh, was the quarterback of uh, Valpo University, I think, back in uh, 2015, I think it was. And uh, the past couple of years, he's been doing an incredible job reaching out to college students and college athletes particularly, as well as some high school students who are high school athletes and um, helping them follow Jesus. We're going to have a conversation with him about how COVID-19 has really upended uh, his ministry and how uh, we can learn some lessons from, from what's going on with them. And so I'm really excited. Uh, thank you for tuning in with us. Thanks for watching online. 
on Facebook and on YouTube. Thanks for listening on podcasts, feeds, whatever you got, Stitcher, P- Apple Podcasts. Why do people put Stitcher first? Nobody listens to Stitcher. I don't know. What Stitcher is. <laughs> no. Stitcher's like the, it's, it's like if you're a pr- podcast producer, everybody thinks Stitcher's like the best, but it's the worst. Nobody <laughs> listens. Thank you for li- listening on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, and on Apple Podcasts, yeah, yeah. or just by going to Facebook and clicking the link. <laughs> Uh, until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye, everybody. Well, hey, we are so uh, grateful to be joined in studio. I say that tongue in cheek because we're in the <laughs> studio and we've got a video feed of our friend Scott Stahl, who is coming to us from uh, quarantine land, lockdown. But Scott, welcome to uh, Churches Now Online podcast through the Bethel Hill Reporters campus and uh, welcome. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be on the call. Yeah. Scott uh, is a longtime, I think I said this in your introduction already, but you're a longtime Valparaiso guy. You went to Valpo University. When were you at, at Valpo? Uh, 2012 to 2016. 2012 to 2016. And you like won the Valpo Heisman or something. I don't know. You played football, right? Like you were uh, involved. My Heisman was uh, being able to come out uh, with all of my limbs intact and being able to function. So uh, that that's my Heisman is just being able to uh, be healthy. Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, I've you know obviously since we moved out here to Northwest Indiana, uh, Bethel has had a long time. A lot of our people uh, have had a long time partnership with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, a great organization. And I remember being um, in the room when Scott was announced as the new um, Scott. I don't even know what your title would have been, Northwest Indiana director or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, just like it was a vacant position that like the right person hadn't really shown themselves. And then here was this like fresh out of college, mm-hmm. like uh, Valpo graduate. And I remember uh, just being in the room. Scott, I don't think I've ever told you this, but I think I remember being in the room, and uh, I think you had to give a speech or something, and just being like, dude, I wish I was like that when I was fresh out of, <laughs> fresh out of college. Because you just handled yourself with such poise and grace and, and just stepped up to the plate and had a huge opportunity to push the ball for Christ and his kingdom using uh, athletics. And over the past, I think it's been like five, four or five years watching you do that, it's been an incredible journey to see. Um, and, uh, I'd love for you just to plug FCA. What is the mission of what you guys are doing and, uh, what's happening around uh, Northwest Indiana? Yeah, no, well, thank you, Dan. It's, it really has been just a, a huge blessing, um, for FCA and um, really the backstory to what you had shared is, um, there was always this vision to bring FCA to Northwest Indiana and for years after years, um, just praying that the Lord would, um, be able to start an office in that area and, um, nothing really ever happened. And I, uh, it's funny, actually, a year before that encounter um, that I was introduced, I went to a similar function. Uh, FCA was hosting just a, a banquet, and it was there that I learned about the position that uh, we were looking to start an office in Northwest Indiana. And that's when God really tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, this is what I have for you after graduation. And so that's really what began my journey with FCA. And um, really, it has been so fun to see uh, Bethel's support of our ministry, and, and really, um, our vision is to see the world transformed by Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes 
and uh, leading then into our mission, which is to lead every coach and every athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. And um, to know that really in, in this day and age, uh, 65 years after FCA was birthed, that the influence of a coach and an athlete is, you know, way more than what it was back in 1954. And, and just to be able to be part of that and to see the ministry grow throughout the region is just, uh, it's been a lot, it's been a lot of fun. It's been an incredible journey and we're excited for uh, the future. Yeah. Scott, maybe you could help some of our listeners. I don't know if we've, we, I think we just keep using the, the acronym and I know there are some people out there who maybe don't know what FCA stands for and at the, at the core what it is. So um, maybe you could just explain real basically, like what, what does FCA do? How does it function? How do they try to pursue that mission? Yeah, yeah. So we are a fellowship of Christian athletes. Uh, we are uh, the world's largest interdenominational Christian sports ministry. And uh, really, we, we pursue our mission of, of to and through the coach. And so what that means is we first want to minister to coaches, their marriages, their families, and then kind of once they're discipled, once we engage them, equip them, empower them, we then want to have ministry happen through them. And this is really kind of the traditional outlets that uh, many have seen FCA operate in. And that includes uh, predominantly our on-campus huddles, which are student-led, student-initiated Bible studies um, that meet on, on school campuses, middle schools, high schools, universities, and uh, our Bible study fellowship groups um, for athletes and non-athletes. Um, we're really just are an amazing ministry vehicle inside the public school realm. And then um, camps and travel sports ministries being two other uh, huge avenues that we pursue uh, of, of really ministering to, to coaches and athletes. So really wherever there's sports and wherever there's uh, people hungry to uh, be, be part of ministry and to have their vocation be, uh, be in the realm of sports, man, we, we partner it up and, and we think that you know, faith and Jesus is a, is a fun combination to have. It really is. And it, you're right about the influence that a coach can have over a student. I think anyone who has ever been in sports has had like that, um, that awesome coach that you just think about. Like when you say the word coach, there's a picture of a person who pops into your mind. And then there's also like the, the, <laughs> that other coach that you had that was like, ugh. Oh, I can't believe I survived. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, what I love about FCA is that you're taking um, a really significant role that will, that has the power to really, um, you know, some coaches just get it and some coaches just don't. And, and to be able to leverage the power of coaching in a positive way is amazing. You know, Scott, uh, you're coaching or you were coaching. Uh, I don't want to make this a scandalous thing, but you were coaching at uh, yeah, Valparaiso at high school, uh -huh. uh, some of the, the, the high school, uh, soccer stuff and yeah. just even being around high school students. I think you've come back to the office saying like, man, I just love, Oh man, it's the best time. Yeah. And, and I, Scott, you, you know, this, like you, you connect so much more readily as a coach in a student's life. And I was actually just talking with, um, one of the students here at, at Bethel Hope Reportage last night over Xbox. And, uh, he was talking about baseball and how close he is with his coaches in, in baseball. But how everything is canceled right now, like school and he was prepping for fall ball. Um, all his travel uh, games were canceled for the spring. All his travel games for the summer were canceled. And he was really bummed about it. And I'm sure this with schools out, I'm sure this has changed kind of how FCA has been has been functioning a little bit, hasn't it? 
It has. Yeah. It's been a, uh, it's been a shift for sure. And, you know, with uh, schools closed and sports canceled, it's really uh, allowed us to have a holy pause and to uh, really begin to kind of reinvent ourselves in a way where how can we take what we've been doing with huddles and, and coaches and athletes and now transition that into, okay, what, what does it look like to do that in quarantine in an isolated space where there is social distancing? How do we continue to have ministry um, to these coaches and to these athletes? And uh, it, it's, been, it's been really fun to see FCA's organization-wide response, um, even uh, you know, within, you know, a week or two of all of these new parameters coming out where, um, you know, we, we recently launched a whole new platform called FCA Virtual, where we're taking, you know, the best of some of our uh, online content and uh, opportunities for coaches and athletes to connect via Zoom or Google Hangouts and now packaging it all in one place where, uh, you know, our volunteers, our coaches and our athletes can come and, and engage with one another. And uh, like you said, Scott, I mean, there are, there are thousands of athletes, thousands of coaches that either didn't have a season or they're wondering, hey, is my season going to even happen, you know, weeks, months from now? And, and uh, that's a tough, that's a tough uh, journey to be on. And this is really uh, phrasing a, a season like no other where, yeah. you know, sports are canceled and, and the, the identity that so many people have of, hey, I'm an athlete, hey, I'm a coach, and, and to have that suddenly be taken away, we, 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 we now venture into that space and go, hey, there is so much more than just being a coach, being an athlete. Yes, pursue that with, with all that you are, but know that there is really a, a bigger, greater identity, and that's your identity in Christ. And so for us, we want to be intentional and proactive on how we can engage in those spaces well um, now now virtually. One of one of my uh, old students, because I was a youth pastor for many years before coming to Bethel, and one of my old students from middle school uh, is a senior at Old Dominion now and a wrestler and put on Facebook. Um, he, he said something like, I, d- I didn't think this is how my career was going to end, but... I'm excited for whatever God has for me next, and it's time to start figuring that out. And it hit me in that moment seeing him, you know, because he was he was legit. He was a you know he was a legit dude. Um, and you you think about all the all the college basketball players who the tournament is possibly the apex of their entire sporting career, right? Like the next thing they have to look forward to is maybe hitting a home run as a 40 year old in softball <laughs> that wins the game. I don't know. Like that may be the next, yeah. the next like big, the next peak, the big, yeah. <laughs> uh, like the tournament is where a lot of, uh, a lot of kids, uh, and I say kids, you know, I, I feel like you put me up against them. They called me a kid, but uh, a lot of, a lot of these college athletes are thinking about this could be a breakout moment for me to go pro. Yeah. This is my opportunity. Um, or like, I just, I know I'm going to go be, an accountant or a lawyer or whatever, I'm going to go, you know, do this thing. And, but I have this skill and I can play at this level right now. And, and a lot of, a lot of athletics is, you know, it, it's satisfying that internal drive for competition mm-hmm. for satisfaction for identity. And mm-hmm. I imagine Scott, a lot of the work you're doing right now with through your coaches and, and through your huddles is that identity in Christ peace. And how, how are some ways that maybe athletes, we do have a, quite a bit of athletes, uh, high school athletes and, yeah. and such that are 
wondering, like, what now? And so how are some ways that you're encouraging them to see Christ in the middle of this and uh, to take their next steps with Jesus? Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a big question. And I think that is uh, the one we want to be pursuing because it's so rich. And um, I think from the very, from the very beginning, it's allowing, um, allowing everybody the opportunity to feel. Uh, and I think that's a, a big conversation of what, why are you feeling this loss? What, what are you doing with this disappointment? How, how is that really triggering some of your responses? And because um, I think in those questions, we get a lot of what our heart has been latching onto. And that's not to say it's been bad stuff has been latching onto. It's been, hey, I want to be all in for my team. I want to you know, be the best that I can be. And, and those are all really good things. But I think as we continue to have those conversations come to the surface, what an amazing way then we have an opportunity to talk about loss and disappointment and when dreams aren't met and, and failure and expectations. I mean, those are all, you know, 30,000 foot view conversations and to be having that and realizing that when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, I mean, those are, those are very defining moments of your life. And so uh, to be able to come alongside of them and, you know, put our armor on them and um, let them really press into, okay, why do you think God's taking you through this season? And what do you th- what do you think that He has for you? And really, just being able to leave the question open ended and not answer it for them, but allow them to take that you know personally and dive deeper with the Lord. That's where there's going to be a lot of fruit, and this won't be a season wasted, but it really could be you know one of the best seasons ever for them in in their walk with the Lord. I I hear that Scott, and I just thinking about some of the students that I have in, in youth group right now. Talk about identity. Uh, sports is their identity. Like this is this is what they push for. This is what they strive for. This is what makes them who they are. And having that uh, ripped away so suddenly and so indefinitely, really is kind of creating this chasm of of who am I and what do I really want to pursue with with my life. Uh, it really highlights the the emptiness of some of that stuff, um, which I'm so glad for. Uh, uh, um, Things like FCA, which are highlighting, hey, this isn't the end-all, be-all. There is something greater uh, in our identity in Christ. Yeah, and I love the phrase that you used, the opportunity to feel. Yeah. Because I I had that thought uh, this morning. Kristen and I at, at home, you know, we're huge you know, March Madness fans. <laughs> we run the, the bracket for the staff here. Like, we just want, we just love it. Like, we look forward to it. We start watching tournament games, you know, at the end of at the end of the season. We we we're those people that are watching games in January. It's been a know? dark time in the Jacobson's household. Well, I literally <laughs> had a moment where I was like, "Oh man, they can cancel the NBA, but thank God that the NCAA is going to be going on." Like, yeah, if that ever gets canceled. I literally texted Brad Lagos, our executive pastor. Once the NCAA gets tournament, the tournament gets canceled, then I'll acknowledge there's a problem. <laughs> it was literally five minutes later he sent me a screenshot of the NCAA. Oh no! But yeah, so. So we've been walking around, though, you know, saying this is a long way around to make my point. But we were walking around the house and I'd, I'd be making a joke and I'd be I'd be saying like, oh, man, can you believe that Kentucky upset last night? That wasn't that incredible. <laughs> and she'd look at me like, oh, you moron. Why are you reminding me that that didn't happen? That that's what we should be talking about right now is that, you know, there's this whole schedule out there and these rhythms that people have built their whole entire calendars around. Like for us, March. Yeah, I mean, our son Graham was born March twenty third, and 
he was born with a tournament on the TV in the <laughs> hospital room. You know what I mean? Like that, this is, there's no interrupting the rhythms of life. Was that too much to, uh, Absolutely too much not. information? Okay. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, ama- it's amazing. He wasn't named Zion Williams. But, uh, no, we, we are so accustomed to these things. And what I felt myself today as a spectator, just as a regular person, not even an athlete, mm. I felt myself feeling the loss of being distracted by sports. That's what I felt. Mm-hmm. I, was, yeah. I was sitting in my kitchen thinking about what should be happening today. It's yeah. Monday. It should be a day where we're talking about the chaos of what was yesterday. And I realized that because I don't have that distraction, I've actually been way more in tune with my walk with Christ. Mm. And what it is that all those things that you just said, why are you feeling and grieving that loss? I think that's such a huge, huge thing. So thanks for that insight and that wisdom. I got to ask you because you work for a not-for-profit. And the economy is like a huge, huge, huge worry right now. And I'm curious, uh, what what are some of the needs that not-for-profits are experiencing right now? Could you could you maybe shift gears just from the athletic world to the ministry world? How are you guys seeing um, you know the ministry going forward in the midst of this time, but also some of the challenges that could exist there? And how would you just encourage people at the Bethel Hope Reportage campus? I mean, you've been here, you've been in our services, you've attended our services many times. Um, you know some of our people really well. How would you encourage them to think about um, supporting not-for-profits in a time like this? Yeah, no. Again, I, I appreciate your your question, Dan. It's a it's a big question. It's a rich question, and and really, I think uh, the nonprofit world, you know, parachurch ministries, however you want to phrase it, um, is is having to tackle many of these same questions that the the church is having to uh, navigate too. Is okay. We are in uh, what looks to be a uh, long and difficult road financially, and you know, as as employment dwindles and, and, and kind of the financial pressure rises, uh, people are going to have less disposable income. And, and unfortunately, one of the things that goes by the wayside uh, is charitable giving. And um, for for organizations like FCA or even just the church that rely on uh, generosity from um, attendees or, or donors, it is um, it, it can be daunting for sure. And it's uh, it's it's one of those things where I think for us it's a forced uh, maybe I won't say forced it's a reminded trust where um, really in, in the good times we rely and trust on the Lord's provision His faithfulness and in the tough times we rely on His provision and His faithfulness and I even heard someone last week say uh, reminded us of the scripture you know He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and He backed that up by saying and He still owns the hills too. Yeah. Where we we need to be reminded that even in even in the tough times that God's hand God's hand is still here He's still working He still owns it all and at the end of the day the, this FCA ministry is is not mine it's not the staff's but it ultimately is the Lord's and um, we're reminded of His faithfulness and you know year after year time after time during you know the the feast and the famine and even um, in the unforeseen days ahead, that is really where we're um, putting our confidence. That's not to say that we're naive and and don't expect there to be um, potential hard times up ahead. But um, for us, we we just remind people um, just just to give generously, to give faithfully, to give as the Lord leads. Um, you know, and, and that's that's what our heartbeat has always been and continue to be. And um, for us, we also look at it 
where with so many donors, um, you know, that have faithfully contributed to FCA uh, launching in Northwest Indiana, we want to make sure that we take time just to check in on them and to see how they're doing, because uh, we know that, you know, where, where we give our treasure there, our heart follows. And, you know, there are many people who have given part of their heart to FCA and they themselves are going through uh, a season of difficulty. And we want to first make sure that we uh, don't neglect to minister to their hearts too. So um, we definitely see ourselves, obviously we have the coaches and athletes, but uh, so many people too, that we can really uh, be ministering in uh, the realm of donor love and donor care uh, moving forward too. Yeah. Well, we, we definitely have been, uh, as I've been locked in the house the past two weeks, the, the two words that have been in my heart that just summarize the posture that Christians need to take right now, or at least I need to take right now, is uh, upward and outward. To keep my eyes fixed upward upon the Lord and to keep my heart outward, not just caving in on myself. It kind of goes back to the conversation that we had before Scott came on uh, this episode. And one of the ways I think that we can make sure that we keep an outward perspective is by, you know, you always measure your money based upon the returns that you're going to get. And in the midst of a, uh, of a crisis, the world often thinks this way. I need to protect myself. And yet we have such a huge opportunity. We've seen it with our church as we've moved online. We've re- we're reaching five times more people than we've ever reached before. It's incredible. Um, and to, to hear all of the opportunities of ministry, you know, Scott, you guys are probably doing more heart-level ministry now than ever before. And the way that I measure my impact on giving is to put, you know, it's like an investment. Where am I going to get the most return? And mm-hmm. one of the mistakes we could make as Christians right now is, is to panic and to think, you know, I might be out of a job in a couple of months. I might, I might not be able to buy groceries for, you know, the last me three years, like <laughs> whatever it is. And we just hoard. And yet the reality is now more than ever is a chance for you to invest. And what you said, you know, that, that, that scripture, Jesus said, where your heart is there, your treasure will be also where your treasure is there, your heart is. Um, is so true right now. And um, I, I would just encourage anyone in Northwest Indiana looking to make a positive difference uh, mm-hmm. with a bunch of uh, high school, middle school, college-age students who um, are athletes who need the support of a coach right now and need the, the love of Christ to uh, go to your website. Is it fca.org? Is that how they can uh, partner with you guys? I didn't ask you to tell you we were going to do this. You're probably not prepared, but you probably are prepared. So where, <laughs> where do we send people? No, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, nwindianafca.org. Say it again slower. Sure, nwindianafca.org. Cool. Uh, Or you can just Google search nwindianafca, and we have a website that will have uh, all our information and and a donate button. Um, But yeah, so we are are grateful. Scott, you guys did an awesome event the other day. You had Kirk Cousins on a a live stream. And I just want to know, how did that go? What was some of the response to that? And how is it possible that you get to hang out with such cool people like Kirk Cousins? Well, I was going to say, how do I get to hang out with such cool people like you guys? This yeah, is yeah, really yeah, the no, treat. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was a, it was an awesome, awesome event. It really came together in just the span of a couple of days, which, you know, for all the hardships that quarantine can have, one of the upsides is that people are home and they can easily hop on Zoom and be part of a call. So um, it was, it was really fun. And the, the expansiveness of that event was uh, several times higher than we thought it would be, and people tuning in from all over. And um, one of the fun pieces uh, was that Kirk's dad is actually a pastor down in Orlando. And so, uh, you know, Kirk's dad, Don, has had a profound impact in, in Kirk's life and kind of his upbringing. And he was also able to come on to our 
our uh, YouTube live stream and share a word with everybody. And, and he, you know, he brought the heat, which was fun to see. And yeah. uh, it was really just a, a cool way for Kirk to speak into the lives of coaches and athletes um, kind of wherever they're at, you know, tuning in from their living room. So yeah, it was a, right it was a blessing. Right on. Well, Scott, we appreciate you so much. We've so appreciated our connection from the HP campus with FCA and and also with you uh, as God's really uh, just uniquely gifted you in so many different ways to do ministry. And so we want to say thanks for uh, doing what you're doing. The work is still to be continued. You got a lot going on in front of you. Uh, and so we're praying for you in this uh, different season, uh, praying for FCA. Mm -hmm. Um, but we know that, that there's a, there's a kingdom out there that God is building and you're a significant part of that. And so uh, we just appreciate you, man. And uh, we we're looking forward to seeing what God does and, and looking back at this chapter and going, man, it was going one way, but God turned us in a better way. And so that's our prayer. So. Amen. Amen. Thanks for allowing me the opportunity to be on. Appreciate you, you guys. You bet. For the rest of you guys watching or listening at home, we just want to say uh, thanks for tuning in and getting this far in the, in the episode. And uh, until next time, we will uh, see you then. Thanks for listening to the Church is Now Online podcast. For more resources from Bethel Church, head to BethelWeb.org, where you can stream services, give online, and find ways to impact our community. To connect with the HP campus, the best way to do that is on Facebook. Join our group by searching Bethel church Hobart Portage. If you enjoyed this content and want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you found this content. And it helps us if you rate and review. It just makes it easier for others to find us online. Churches Now Online is produced by the team at Bethel Hobart Portage. Christina Soderquist, Daniel Asher, Scott Irwin, and myself, Dan Jacobson. Thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, this podcast is to be continued.